Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Andrew Beam. Uh, today, we're doing an episode in honor of, well, the presidential inauguration and I guess everything that's led up to it. We decided that because the last four years were, I don't know, I don't really know how to describe it. Shit show. I guess you could say just a complete shit show, but kind of what ex- we expected. Uh, we decided we would try and choose our own president, but through a bunch of fictional movie-based, television-based presidents. Yeah, we're going to try and elect a fictional movie president from the 90s. So this specifically is going to be the 1996 presidential election. We'll explain a little bit more about the rules as we get started here. Um, But we are joined on this episode by James Monty. Nanny. Nanny. That's my bad. James Nanny. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everybody. So I know I've known James since what is it now? Two thousand nine, I think it was. We did an internship. Yeah, we're we're beyond our ten year anniversary. Oh, this is this is adorable. I thought it was it's ten sweet. years exactly, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, we, uh, we're, we're right around there. We interned together at this this lovely publication called the uh, Legislative Gazette, just meant for college students to cover the New York State Capitol, which is wildly irresponsible of them to let us just run around with press badges around the state capitol. But, you know, they did it and uh, we didn't burn the place down. Uh, and then I worked it with James, obviously, at, a, at another publication covering uh, the, well, I covered Sullivan County, but sort of the mid Hudson Valley. And now you're in the Big Apple. Oh, Jesus Christ, I just called it that. I didn't want to do that. All right, he's in New, <laughs> he's in New York City uh, working for Law 360. So, uh James, oh, covering covering tax policy, if I'm correct, right, James? That's that that is correct. Thank right you. Uh, it's uh, I'm not currently in in what you may call the Big Apple. Uh, I'm working remote, been working remotely for a little while now out in the <clears throat> outside of Boston. But uh, I appreciate you guys inviting me to uh, have a chat with you on this. Hopefully, uh, we'll steer clear of uh, tax policy on this. <laughs> I don't so know. Too, uh, I don't. I don't think tax policy comes up in. Uh, the first season of of West Wing. So you know, yeah, I feel like presidents <laughs> of nineties and movies. You know, these movies never centered around tax policy, which was really <laughs> unfortunate because you know I think there's there's a large audience for that and <laughs> who are really not getting what they want. You would know. Yeah. I I do. You know, that's what I want, and I know that that's what when I was a child, and I uh, that's what I was looking for when I watched. Uh, disaster movies yeah we wanted james on because obviously james has a particular interest in politics like i i know i do as well and uh we would get into really contentious debates uh when we lived in our house in kingston uh just drank beers and yelled at each other until about i don't know yeah. whenever we got tired enough yeah, and then we would just like just pass out wherever we wanted mm-hmm. to on the on the floor the rug just it was just that, that's how it went it was very nice i liked it fell asleep where we met that's really cute, guys. So <laughs> we are going to be drinking uh, this morning Hudson Valley Brewing. They just came out with this oatmeal silhouette. It's a brunch style sour IPA with oats, blueberries and maple syrup. So basically a blueberry pancake, which sounds fucking amazing. It could. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I've had stuff like this before from other breweries and they let me down. But Hudson Valley Brewery hasn't done it to me just yet. So we'll see how it goes, but uh, and 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 one thing that we should note, we do always try and do a theme, but I don't know how many beers there are that are actually themed with presidents or just what have you. I don't even know. I think Obama's favorite beer is fucking Yingling or some shit. So it's a solid beer. Um, but yeah, <sighs> let's get started, fellas. 
So I want to start off by just explaining kind of the origins of this episode. It will probably surprise no one to know that we are fans of The Ringer, specifically me. And I spend a lot of time listening to the rewatchables with uh, Chris Ryan and Bill Simmons and etc. And they did an episode on Armageddon. And in that episode, Chris Ryan came up with this idea that in movies, we should just elect a single actor to play the president in all movies. And then he would just show up. And it came about because in Armageddon, the president plays just a completely nothing role. He has no name. And that was kind of weird in a disaster movie. So he was like, we'll just have one president. And in that episode, he discussed Bill Pullman as the one to just show up and give that speech. And then he's out of the movie and it's done. (laughs) And it just simplifies everything. And we were like, yeah, it's a fucking great idea. Except let's let's just not throw Bill Pullman. Let's have an actual discussion and decide who do we want to elect. Yeah. Like explore if there are actually other options other than other than Bill Pullman. There are. Yeah, I will warn all of you, though, they're not great. There's a, there's a few options here. And so we are going to nominate and discuss these options and decide who should be the movie president from any movie from 1996 to 2000. So yeah, we wanted to keep it with like a, a regular presidential election. Yeah. So a regular presidential cycle, any actor from a movie or TV show from 96 to 2000 is eligible the only people that aren't eligible is if they played an actual president. It has to be a fictional made up character. And that's pretty much our rules. And with that, we we're going to do some nominations. We're going to do some nominations. And so uh, James, you have one nomination to give beam has two. I have two. James. Why don't you give your nomination first? Who is in the running for the fictional president? Well, you know, I gave this some thought and I really... Oh man, you I wrote have, it out on a notepad too. This is... I, I did because, you know, I guess I want to make sure that I... I, I want to make sure that I'm uh, no. doing this justice. No, absolutely. And, uh, I just like got, that it's on a notepad. I, I, yeah. Well, you know, I already had it here. And, uh, you know, I got I to gotta nominate President Thomas J. Whitmore uh, from Independence Day. Uh, played by Bill know, Pullman. Yeah. Great choice. Of course, played by uh, Bill Pullman. Great hair in this movie. Uh, you His know, hair is phenomenal in the movie. He does have... And, you know, I think we could probably have a whole nother podcast simply based on the hair of of fictional presidents. Uh, But, you know, that's for another day. Yeah, I'm going I'm going full Pullman on this one. Full full Pullman Pullman sounds like a weird sex act. That's a yeah. That's a great choice. I (laughs) love Independence Day. Great movie. We'll discuss it a little bit more. Beam, who is your first nomination that you're going to give? I mean, my first nomination, and I think I, I think he deserves it. President James Marshall from Air Force One, um, played by Harrison Ford. Good played choice. by Harrison Ford. He, I think he did some very commendable things. Although, and I guess we'll debate it here. I'm just not sure how much of it was in service to his own country. But obviously, a very brave dude and courageous dude. Um, I, I think had some pres had you know held some presidential weight, maybe sort of in this movie, but. Uh, yeah, I think he's deserving to at least be nominated. So my first nomination, then I am going to give it to <laughs> President Jed Bartlett, played by Martin Sheen from The West Wing. This one, it seems a little unfair because we have so much more to go on because we have a whole season and part of a second season 
uh, for this presidential election versus only like two hours with these other presidents. But Jed Bartlett, great guy, really big fan. Aaron Sorkin, till we die. That's my nomination. Beam, who else you got? So just for the sake of conversation, I guess, with this one, I'm going to nominate President James, or was it? President James Dale. James Dale. I just wanted to make sure it was James. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nominate President James Dale, uh, played Great by Jack Nicholson in Mars Attacks. Listen, he had a pretty shitty deal on his hands. Aliens, again. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to deal with. We're, of course, going to discuss how he handled it and really whether he had the fortitude to, to be a president. But I'm going to nominate him because, you know, we needed five. And my last nomination is going to be President Tom Beck, played by Morgan Freeman in Deep Impact. He is also given a raw deal. A comet is coming to destroy the earth and he has to deal with it. And I think he does about the best that he can with that situation. I I think he does about the best anybody could have done with a giant comet coming towards earth. Yeah. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to just explore these characters with a little bit more depth and, you know, we'll kind of lead the discussion with our own nominees. So James, why don't you get us started with president Thomas J. Whitmore? Oh, why is he a great leader? <laughs> well, you know, uh, like many of these presidents, uh, President Whitmore is, 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 is facing a crisis. Um, he's facing a large crisis. And this crisis is uh, from aliens, which, you know, who can be prepared for that? It's a <laughs> pandemic from another planet, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think really, and, you know, he's, of course, he is a Gulf War pilot. Uh, so he's former military, he's president. So he's got some, you know, he's clearly like a civil servant. He served his country, but this really all comes down to the speech. And we all know the speech from Independence Day in which <clears throat> they are about to, uh, all the uh, all the militaries of the world <laughs> are gathering to fight the aliens. And uh, <clears throat> it's kind of evening. There's this kind of smoky background on a military base. Uh, there's like fog, there's like, fighter jets and like military jeeps and he gets up there i don't i'm pretty sure he's like wearing either a loose tie or no tie at all so he's kind of like no tie yeah i think he may have had a couple buttons undone (laughs) yeah yeah he's got a little bit of chest going on right there so he's a little sexy i don't know about that uh i do and he uh he's and so and he just gathers everyone around and he tells the speech i remember the speech very vividly from seeing independence day as a child and he knocks it out of the park. There is this like little point where he's uh, he kind of like tilts his head down a little bit, and uh, and he says, "Mankind, that should have a new meaning today." <laughs> I've literally just <laughs> highlighted like, that. Like, very, he, he like looks down. He's like he kind of like takes like a moment to like think about his own words, and he's like, "Mankind." That that should have a new meaning today, and it like kind of gets you there. It kind of really, it's like wow, it really does. These are aliens. It really does have a new meaning for us. And uh, I think he just—it's all about the speech. He really gets everyone going. Everyone cheers at the end of the speech, and then they defeat a superior, <laughs> a vastly superior force uh, through really the American spirit. And uh, I, I, you know, he does a lot of great. He's also, uh, I believe, a widower as well. So he became you know, it in the in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, the aliens yes. kill his wife. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and and I think because so he, he's kind of sympathetic 
but he's powerful. He leads this charge, the whole planet against aliens and wins. And so, but really, I, I, I think it all comes down to the speech. He knocks it out of the park. No one else does a speech like this as good as Bill Pullman. Completely um, agreed. And to rile ourselves up right on this podcast, I'm going to read the end of it, which is my favorite part. We will please. not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. And, and everyone is just, they're cheering, they're clapping, people are crying. There's the guy, I forgot, uh, he's the guy who like flies his, his fighter jet into the into the thing. I forgot. Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid. What Randy is his name? Quaid, right. Randy Quaid. And Randy Quaid's there. He's just like, he's like having a coffee. He, even he's feeling it. Well, because he <laughs> needed to sober up. The man had been drunk for what seemed to have been 10 years straight. Yeah. And yeah, he was yeah, able he to get. He had a severe drinking problem. <laughs> and Thomas J. Whitmore was able to just get him on board with that speech. He a sobered drunk. him up. Yeah. Sobered he him up. Sobered and him he's up like. One speech. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. He was like. I'm, I'm online. I'm online. We're in. I'm ready to sacrifice <laughs> myself for the human race. Russell, Here we go. Russell going out there, getting real drunk and flying planes, which I can't even fathom how to do such a thing. But then crop dusting the wrong field. <laughs> this was the speech that sobered up Randy Quaid. And I think that is unto itself. Mo- momentarily. Is inspirational. Momentarily. momentarily. <laughs> I mean, like. The speech is huge. I also wonder, was that off the cuff? Like his speech? Or do you think like maybe he took a few seconds and wrote that? Did he have a speechwriter? Like, I didn't see a prompter in that military base at all. I didn't see one of those like screens. I didn't see somebody like holding up cue cards. I I think this was I think it was from the heart, and by the heart I mean from screenwriters. But from the heart in the movie, uh, it's you know he he took that little moment. He was like mankind. Yeah, it, it's that one that made it feel genuine. Yeah, where he's just like mankind, you know. Should have a new meeting to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think the other big part that is important to discuss with Thomas J. Whitmore is he is a president of action. He gets in the fighter jet himself and is like, you know, we're short on pilots. I'm a former pilot. Mm-hmm. I'm getting in this plane and I'm going to fight the fucking aliens. And, you know, the country be damned if I go down in this fight. <laughs> <laughs> general general gray i remember general gray's the out there just comes up to him and is just like mr president can i ask you not to do this and he's just like he goes like what nah, are you bro. doing what what are you doing <laughs> well no he actually like he even said it himself when 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 whitmore responded uh, you know I'm, I'm getting up there he's like yeah i kind of expected on. that this is this is just what he's known to do. This is this is this is what apparently Whitmore does. He he rolls up his sleeves literally and yeah. jumps in a fighter pilot or a fighter jet. Well, like, and, uh, I remember he like responds that the military guy comes up to him and he's like, "What are you doing, Mister President?" And he goes, "I belong in the air." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you do like, belong in the belong. air. I mean, it's all right. like you, you belong to. You're the president. Like you don't have to do this at all. So. I kind of want to discuss with Whitmore here because I tried to do this with all of them where they were visible. His cabinet. Same. Some questionable choices I think were made here. First off, who the fuck is his chief of staff? Unclear. Does he have one? So I think the only two people that we know from his staff or his appointments, we know his secretary of his defense, who is played by 
James Rebhorn. His name is Albert Nimziski. And then we Nimziki? know something like that. Yeah. And then we know Constance Spano, who is uh, the White House director. Communications she, director. Communications director played by Margaret Collin. Those are, I feel like, the only two we don't staff even, members we know. We don't even know, like, what the general is the general of. If he, like, where, I, I don't know if he's, like, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Who actually, I think he died, his whole cabinet, I think, actually dies in because they were all in NORAD. Because that gets blown up. But we never meet anyone there. And I just don't know what General Gray is. I have no, and he plays a vital, almost like a chief of staff role. Yeah, so I feel like the only knock against Thomas J. Whitmore is the one cabinet appointment. He Nimziki was fucking terrible. He was awful, and he just spends the whole movie trying to get Whitmore to nuke stuff. That's like his entire goal is just like, let's nuke it. Let's nuke it. And it's like, I think I need a secretary of defense who has some better ideas than throw bombs at it. Also, a better secretary of defense that doesn't keep Area 51. All right. Why doesn't Whitmore know about Area 51? I, I got to agree with you here. This was this kind of blue blue. <laughs> I was really confused about this. Like at one point or another, you, you realize the president himself has, does not know that and aliens exist. Literally and, uh, says I it. Think- literally says it to uh, David's dad, whose name I'm forgetting. Pats him on the back, reassures him that there's no Area 51, and Nimziki's just like, uh, wait, not true. Yeah, like, can you keep that from the president? I feel like the president should know about because of this specific situation. <laughs> this is why the president needs to know about that because if they attack, you you don't want him to be caught off guard. I this think- is exactly what happened. This is a learning lesson. And why did and why did why did Nim, uh, this is just why Nimziki or however the fuck you say his name is is terrible on several levels because he he reveals it to the president like more than halfway into this whole situation like it's been going on for a while he's just been sitting on it ah oh, god yeah he didn't, feel, was, he didn't feel a need to tell him plausible deniability is was his only explanation. Yeah, that was a <laughs> terrible cabinet choice, and he waited way too long to fire him. So I think that's really the only knock against President Whitmore is that specific appointment. Plus, he couldn't get that crime bill passed, am I right? Oh, man, that crime bill. <laughs> Fucking hell. So let's go to the next nomination. Beam, this one was yours for President James Marshall in Air Force One. What's he got going on? So James Marshall... You know, apparently he gives a speech in the beginning of the movie. We didn't hear it, but he asked everyone if they saw it. So apparently it was a it was one where what he, we were now going to fight terror wherever, even if it's not, you know, even if they don't attack us, it's if a terrorist attack happens anywhere, you know, the U.S. will be there, which is an interesting, which is an interesting policy. But, uh, you know, the man shows tremendous courage under fire when. While on Air Force One, he gets taken over by, yeah, this Russian, I, I mean, are they, are they connected with the military for sure? I think they're like Russian separatists. I yeah. Think. I think, I think they're like not the Russian government, but they, they are they, like, they support a general who was in jail, but still had an army waiting for him. I don't know. Yeah. They're like, there's, I think they're separatists of some ilk. Right. So anyways, <laughs> they, 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 they hijack the plane, you know, they, they take the entire plane hostage. 
want him on the condition that you know they release this general and uh you know at one point they thought the president got out on the escape pod no he didn't you want to know why because he's a fucking badass and stayed on the plane he's like i'm going to take this plane back over they end up doing it hilarity ensues I mean, come on, the part where they're like doing the, like, you know, almost about to like fly out of the plane, just either from <laughs> when they're going to uh, parachute out or zip line out, I guess, was the other one. I don't understand the mechanics of that one. I, the last yeah, one. I, I, I rewatched that element of it. There's a lot of like ropes and straps in this movie. I've noticed it. There's yeah. just, every, there's, there's like a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of like mechanical ropes and straps. It's like a, like an old ship. uh, But I remember that part. uh, Gary Oldman's character in this, you know, he he got killed with a rope. It's his uh, neck snack there. So, yeah, they played it. They played a very important part in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of ropes. But my favorite scene is actually when after uh, he is after his neck has been snapped and he's floating away. His his body is just like in a parachute, just like floating down. Can you imagine like who's like backyard he falls into eventually? Well, people are just chilling in a hot tub and then this guy just lands perfectly across from you. Yeah, it's like, is that Gary Oldman with a goatee? (laughs) Really? For some reason though, like that that character that Gary Oldman plays, Ivan Korshinov, I, I think I got that right. For some reason, I feel like that is just Gary Oldman in like real life. Like that's just how he acts. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's just me personally. Um, I will say, as much as I did nominate him, can I also you know say my knocks against him? Yeah, I think that the important thing with James Marshall is he's similar to Thomas J. Whitmore in that he is a president of action. He's not going to stand by and let these Russian separatists just take over the plane, he's going to do something about it. But in doing something about it, he makes some questionable choices, I think. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot of the choices he makes are like, as the president of the United States, it's, I got to either, well, one, I got to save my wife and, and, and daughter. Which I understand. I understand that immediate inclination. Jed Bartlett makes a lot of, I feel like, uh, decisions, or at least makes a lot of statements that were based on if someone fucks with his family, he's about to go to war. Um, Or just anyone close to him. But yeah, with, uh, with Marshall... He like kind of put it into actual like physical action. Like, like, uh, you know, in terms of risking his life in several different moments. You know, in moments where he could have gotten out of these situations too, like when he was like letting everyone else go on the parachutes, when he should have been like first one off, and then also too when the zipline thing last to go, and then all of a sudden the Secret Service guy from the beginning, who kind of starts the you know sets off the whole thing in motion, he's still on there and he's shooting. He shoots what is his? Uh, it was William H Macy. I don't know what his yes. position or his it cabinet. Was you? Yeah. <laughs> It was yeah, like how it how was did you, you and know? Then popped him off. That's it. Yeah, you know, he, for whatever reason, the president was going last. It made zero sense whatsoever. So I just feel like it was sort of irresponsible of him. I, I agree with you. I think that when you're the president, you have a different level of responsibility, and you can't always just think family first. It has to be like country first, and that's a tough position to be in for sure. But I feel like it just comes with the territory and I don't know that James Marshall is always making decisions in the best interest of the country up on that plane, even though he does a great job. And 
I don't gets know how, out of this situation. I don't know when he does the fuel dump how he, cur- he guessed the correct wires just on a fucking hunch. Because he's the fucking man. I, yeah. Yeah, he's another former, you know, he's another former military guy, much like uh, Whitmore. So, you know, this guy has been steeped in military culture and he isn't like a diehard in the sky situation. And he treats it like such. I I think that's he's like, I got to get get my family out of here. You know, like fuck me and the president. I'm ready. I I need a gun and I need to start like whacking people in the head with whatever object is near me. (laughs) I I think you're completely right. And I think that that is an inspiring thing is someone who is just going to take action and be, you know, not some politicized figure, but is going to be a human being and care about the people. And I think that's a great thing about this character, even if he does make some questionable choices in terms of like the best interest of the country. Well, how about his global policy of wherever terrorism strikes, we will be there. I don't know about that strategy. Well, it's basically well, he also the says, war on terror before the war on terror. No, I understand right. that. He we said know we will not, not negotiate one. with terrorists. Right. But what I'm saying is, is I think that was a questionable one, too. So I just don't know how good in terms of like an actual president, like policy wise, not great. Being a little irresponsible, not great. But again, yeah, I, I get the the wanting to care part. But <clears throat> are you really caring about your, your soldiers? You're just sending them into war after war after war? Yeah, endless wars, global war on terrorism. It, it was very prescient, the movie. Uh, very, in, in yeah. some respects, at least. <laughs> so I'm going to go to my next nomination, or well, my first nomination, and that is President Josiah Bartlett, Jed Bartlett from The West Wing. And I think the big thing with this, and it happens with a lot of Sorkin stuff, where he has this idealistic vision of what the presidency should be. And while I agree that it's not how politics in general should be. Yeah. And while I agree that it's not realistic, it does fill me with a good feeling because I'm like, yeah, that's the way it should be. That's the way I want the president to be. It brings tears in my eyes each time. Yeah. Yeah. And living in the situation that we've been living in for the past four years, I think just highlights that even more where I just turned to the West Wing and I'm like, man, it'd be so nice if it was just like this. I was rewatching the episodes of the West Wing just be- like during like in the lead up to the election. I think like the we- yeah, it was like basically leading up to the election just to make myself feel better. Yeah, I wanted to feel good. Yeah, absolutely. And so Bartlett, he is a great leader. He's intelligent. He's well-spoken. He's idealistic. All things that I just wish the actual president was. And I think a big thing that you get from the West Wing is you know about all his cabinet appointments and his staff appointments. And you see them and you know that he has good people working for him, specifically CJ Gregg and Leo McGarry. I think those are two of the best people that you could have on your team. I know you're partial to Josh Lyman. I, well, no, I, I just like Bradley Whitford, but I also think that Josh Lyman has a really interesting arc over over the course of the show. And in the first season, I also think he's um, he, he does a lot of putting his foot in his mouth and saying some real dumb shit, but then like realizing he fucked up and then actually seemingly learns from it. But I mean, Jeb Bartlett is a great nomination. Yeah, the man like he he stands by his convictions a lot. I mean. He and he and he also like shows that he really considers 
the advice that he gets from his people and and the fact that he does pick the cabinet that he does and and his staff members that he that he has um i think shows you know how good of a decision maker how you know how good of a judge of character he is sort of in that way as well one of my favorite things about him and it's something that doesn't really speak to me specifically but he's so religious and with that religion he's able to speak to some of the things that come with these ultra religious people and what they believe. And he kind of fights against that. So there's this oh, outstanding, that fucking the outstanding first episode? scene. Or, yeah. It was this one, fun. this one comes from season two, episode three in midterms. And oh. he, this counts for this because the first five episodes of season two were in the time range. Okay. I made sure. And, Good. I'm glad you're not breaking rules this time. I'm trying not to. And he has this woman who tries to defend her position on homosexuality being an abomination by citing the Bible. And his retort to this is just absolutely epic. And he takes the proverbial Bible that this person is spinning and beats her over the head with it. And he says, I'm interested in selling my youngest daughter into slavery as ha. sanctioned in Exodus 21.7. She's a Georgetown sophomore, speaks fluent Italian, always clean the table when it was her turn. What would a good price for her be? And then he goes on and on and he says, you know, something about his brother being stoned to death for planting different crops side by side. And he says, can I burn my mother in a small family gathering for wearing garments made from two different threads? And he's just pointing out all these ridiculous Bible things. And then he ends it with just the most epic takedown. One last thing. While you may be mistaking this for the monthly meeting of the ignorant tight ass club in this building, when the president stands, nobody sits. And he's just so smart. And the way he takes her down, it's probably not the most presidential thing to just publicly shame this woman. But at the same time, I wish the president was someone who would take down ignorant people and just publicly shame them. That's what I want from a president. Yeah, it looks good in a television show. I just don't know how good it would look in real life. Yeah, I I think that that scene, I I have seen that scene, is actually... his best but also is a good reason not to like him because i think it also demonstrates his him being naive because it show you know he thinks that like logic is going to be like like the salve for like religious bigotry and like zealotry but instead it's like religion is really just a mask an excuse for the bigotry like he's putting it's he's like oh i'll just like logic a logic this out and that's not really how it works no. it's like you don't change people's minds by just simply pointing out the like illogic of their arguments it, it doesn't and so i think like that kind of demonstrates his like how he's a little bit naive or perhaps at that point maybe in 19, 1996 it wasn't as naive but it certainly seems naive <laughs> with uh 2020 vision, so to speak. Well, it's funny too because I feel like whenever he, uh, like whenever he walks into the Situation Room, you know, all the Joint Chiefs stand up, and he always says, "Keep your seats." So I just think it's funny that it's like everyone else keep their seats, but it's like you fucking piss me off. You better stand. <laughs> but I will say too, in terms of his, uh, you know, his his religious views or just being as religious that he is you know he doesn't let it cloud his judgment in terms of his policy you know he understands of keeping you know church and state separate i think which is commendable he 
also will bat, you know, speak out against sort of the fringe side of it. Like in the first, in literally the first episode, I think it's like the first introduction you get to him, other than the fact that the president had crashed his bike into a tree. <laughs> you know, Josh Lyman like was talking to Mary Marsh, who's apparently, you know, part of the, or head of this, whatever the religious right, um, and says what it says to her on television, you know, your God is too busy being indicted for tax fraud or something like that. Basically, Josh apologizes and then Mary Marsh is like, all right, what do we get? Figured there's some sort of negotiation here that we're going to get something. You know, why else would we be here? And Toby, of course, then goes off. She makes an anti-Semitic remark. And then in comes the president, like, you know, standing tall with his cane because, again, he did crash his bike into a tree and basically tells her to fuck off. He knows when to kind of swing his stick when he needs to. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, James, that I was think, a weird line. James, I think you were making a really good point. And I just want to point out like the two slight negatives on Jed Bartlett. And the first is you're absolutely right that this kind of high intellectualism can be alienating and a bit naive. And so I could very easily see people bucking up against that quite often with that high intellectualism and you know he thinks he's better than us well they do in the show yeah it actually like is it's sort of a knock against them yeah absolutely and i i completely agree with that i think it's a good point that that is going to rub people the wrong way and i think the only other knock against him is that he keeps he keeps his wife as his personal doctor so that he can keep his multiple sclerosis private does that come out in the first season? It does. Because it comes out when he gets shot in that assassination oh, right. yeah. attempt. And when they're at the hospital, he's they're trying to shush up all the doctors and pretty much like, hey, yeah. you're going to find this out about the president. And, you know, you can say something if you want, but please don't. Right, right. And so it's just a, it's just a little bit questionable keeping that from the public. I think that in terms of the show, it created a great thing because it showed that, you know, people with MS can still achieve great things and be completely functioning. And it's not a death sentence, as a lot of people think. But I think that keeping that private is just a little bit shady. And that's the only kind of knock against him that I have other than the high intellectualism alienation thing. But I do think it brings up an interesting discussion in the sense of, because what, we're all supposed to think that the American people are grown up enough to like get this information and not just hold it against them, you know, not irrationally, illogically hold it against them. I think we've seen now, certainly after last week, that no, the American adult is not that grown up to be able to handle that sort of information and make logical choices with it or opinions. I completely agree with you. I think it, in terms of the show, it makes a great point and brings up a great discussion. Right. I just think, you know, ideally, if we're living in this Aaron Sorkin idealistic world, then, you know, the president should be forthcoming with that information, even though you're absolutely right that people would not take it well and <laughs> yeah. he would not be able to do the job that he's going to do. I'm not saying it was right or wrong. I agree with you. It's just... People are fucking children. Hmm. Well, I mean, it shows like he, there's like two sides of this guy. I mean, like he right. clearly is like an idealist, but he's not so much an idealist to believe that people will <clears throat> take this private thing about him and treat him the way he believes he should be treated. So like yeah, his idealism kind of only goes so far. He's a little right? arrogant in that sense, too. Otherwise, he would just tell everybody to be like, oh, they'll be able to handle it. They're adults and, they, you know, it'll be fine. But he doesn't. He seems not to believe that. There's a little bit of arrogance to that, too, where it's like to think to put that aside and to be like, listen, these people need me. 
in a way, I need to be the one running this country. I'm going to put off to the side about this whole MS thing and let them know like when I got four months left. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah, just, it's a just little... irresponsible. The people deserve to know whether, you know, your president has a, uh, has any type of like large medical issues. So while Jed Bartlett is a great man and a great candidate, he does have a few slight knocks against him. Um, let's go to someone that is not necessarily the best president, President James Dale from Mars Attacks. Beam, what Dude. you got? So, I mean, I actually would have really loved to have seen this election and how he got put into office. <laughs> like, like who, like who saw this guy and thought like, yep, that's the guy I need for president. I mean, Jack Nicholson could play a good president, I think, in a movie. But the one he played in this just has no business being there. It feels like an extended SNL skit. Yeah. His cabinet, I mean, uh, whoever his press secretary is, played by Martin Short, I... Uh, <laughs> Appointing Martin Short to anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, well, I mean, obviously it's not, you know, Martin Short, who is the press secretary. It's, I forget his, his character's name, but I constantly going around picking up hookers, which is a weird thing. Is her, wait, is hookers or is it... What's the phrase? What's the term now? Sex workers. Sex workers. Picking up sex workers constantly. I feel it's a bad look for a press secretary, number one, who's supposed to be constantly thinking about the president's public image. And uh, and then also Professor Sec- – uh, was it Secretary Ross? Or uh, no, 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 he's press- – oh, sorry, it's Professor Kessler, which I don't know what his – Pierce Brosnan's role in this. I don't know exactly what his business was in this, but um, fucking idiot. Uh, they're highly intelligent, which means they're gonna be nice. Was his was his whole theory? I don't know. And and the weird thing was President James Dale being like, it looked like he like went around the room to get advice and then waited for for uh, for the professor to say something, and just agreed with him immediately each and every time. Yeah, James Dale is not the best president. You know, I think he's the worst. I tried to write down some positive things, but every positive thing also came with an extreme negative. So like one positive thing was that he has a sense of humor. He giggles when the aliens inhale an atomic bomb like a bong hit. But at the same time, his no, wife... No, I, I don't think he does. They're not together ever in that sense. The only time they ever no, are together watch, is when he gets killed. He's watching them on screen. He now. watches on screen and he giggles when he oh, sees yeah, it. Right. So he giggles and, you know, that's good. You have a sense of humor about things, yeah. I guess. But like at the same time... Your daughter is who knows where your wife just died because a chandelier fell on him. And it's like he doesn't care. And so not really a good look. And the second thing is he invites the aliens into Congress and gets them all killed. And while on the one hand, you could argue that, like, you know, maybe that's a good move. Get more things done. I guess. But you just killed all of Congress. That's (laughs) a really bad look for a president. So every time I try and find something, it's just like, nope, you're doing a really bad job. I mean, and then there was the other one with uh, when they were trying to welcome them again, and then they let out the dove, and then immediately <laughs> the Martian kills the dove, and then kills everyone there. And I loved it where they're just like, "Well, maybe it was the dove that that spooked them, <laughs> and that's why they sort of reacted like that." And then, and then I think that's when they they went and killed all of Congress. And the best part is them watching on TV and his daughter, Taffy, in the background, played by Natalie Portman, just guess it wasn't the dove. <laughs> just, 
Natalie just Portman's taking a dig at that. <laughs> Natalie Portman's the only intelligent character in this movie associated with the White House. James, what do you got on Mars Attacks? You know, I I, I, uh, I did a little bit of a review on this, and I, I, I gotta say, uh, in an emergency situation, aliens, no aliens, earthquakes. I, I, I don't think I would trust this guy to step up to the plate and really do what's necessary for the country. He's um, <laughs> he buckles under oh. pressure. He buckles, he buckles under pressure, and he's an idiot. I think he's very realistic. I don't think that this no, is he, a president. No. I, I could see this president being elected and being. No, uh, I think. I mean, he's Trump. basically George W. Bush or. No, Donald I think Trump. he's Trump. I, I get more of a Trump vibe because he also loves being in front of the cameras. Like every single shot he did, it was like him sitting in front of a fireplace or something. I don't know. It was. Yeah, unfortunately, this is probably the most realistic vision of what the president is. You know, I, I got to agree. I mean, we, we can compare him directly to President Whitmore, who is also facing a, an invasion. And I mean, it's apples. It's night and day, really. They, These uh, guys they, are handling it completely different. Well, actually, not entirely true. If you do compare them, both of their approaches in the beginning, both of them mm. are trying to do a warm welcome. President Dale, it just endangered a lot of other lives while doing it because he just invited the whole town over, it seemed, uh, and got them all killed. Um, and then all of Congress, of course. But uh, they both did try and, you know, bring the welcome wagon to the aliens and then, you know, got what they got. Well, and, and the, uh, towards the end where I think we're. The, the aliens come in and he's like facing them directly and he's talking, you know, it's the alien with like the purple robe. Oh, wait, and okay. he, has, he does a speech oh. himself. He does like a uh, kind of his own speech. He does. Uh, to the, and I think it ends. Can't we all just get along? It was very 90s. Very <laughs> and, uh, 90s. Yeah, it was very 90s. It wasn't as inspirational as President Whitmore. I would have to say that. But, you know, I think there was some good intention behind it. But I you know, killed for it. Yeah, he, he really played it like, haha, like, I hope this works type of thing. There was no sincerity behind that speech, <laughs> not like President Whitmore. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he ends up shaking his hand. Uh, and I think we all know what happens from there, not to give it away. But uh, he gets stabbed in the I, heart I, and then a little I, flag comes up. Yeah, yeah, the flag part is hilarious. So, so that's, Do they do the circle move then too? Yeah. <laughs> He's laying dead on the ground. So that's the biggest indictment of this president is his lasting legacy is that the aliens staked a claim to Earth by driving their flag through his torso. So like yes, that old move. when that when that's your <laughs> legacy as a president, you're not doing a fucking good job. I mean, it would have been any yeah, of them, really, if, if they had met the Martians. He is defeated. I don't think any of these other presidents are actually defeated in the in, in, as much as No, either uh, they take action on on their own or someone mm-hmm. does it for them. Yeah, they all take some L's, but like this is a big L. Oh, he, he dies. He, loses. Yeah, he murdered, literally yeah. dies. <laughs> he gets murdered by the aliens staking their claim to Earth. Yeah, I, I, I just. Yeah. He's a sucker. He's it, was a ama- a sucker. It, was a, it was amazing how dumb he is, though. Yeah. So he's he's a moron. Yeah. Oh, I just want to point out that I, Absolutely. I, Glenn Close, Glenn Close is both in Mars Attacks and in Air Force One. And I just want to make sure that there's. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we have Glenn Close in both, in both of these things. She can maybe be a cabinet member. <laughs> in in many of these movies because she seems to be just like within the political and presidential sphere. I just want to point that out. That's fair. Well, actually, you know, if we want to count it, count this as well. Um, shit. What's his name? The guy that plays Toby Ziegler. 
Richard Schiff? Richard Schiff. Richard Schiff is in both of these, and I think Corey's about to talk about which one he's Michael in. Although Fox he too. Is, oh, wait. What else is he in that we talked about? He's in the Isn't American he... President. Oh, he's in the American oh, President. Which right. isn't eligible for this one. We will be doing another oh, presidential right. election. I always forget. But, yeah. It's going to be all right. But, yeah, I mean, Toby or Richard Schiff was in another one of our movies, but didn't have as much of a role in terms of saying a cabinet position. Yeah, so right, right, right. the last one is Deep Impact. Toby Ziegler, Richard Schiff, he plays Biederman's father. Not really much of a character. But in this movie, Morgan Freeman plays President Tom Beck. And he, similar to a lot of these presidents, is given a bit of a raw deal. There is a comet coming to Earth that is going to destroy everything. And, you know, Tom Beck has some shady things, and we'll get to those, but... Oh, we will. The positive thing that I will say about Tom Beck is he is so calm and so matter of fact and so informational when he's giving this to the American public. And, you know, I find myself thinking that if Morgan Freeman were to tell me that the world was ending, I'd just take it better than someone else (laughs) telling me. I just want Morgan Freeman to tell me that things probably won't be okay. What if we're going to fight Obama? Obama's in the conversation. If he told me I'd feel okay about it. (laughs) I'm just, I'm trying to picture this in my head where it's their hand on your shoulder. Like, no, I'm sorry. It's listen, you're you're not going to be okay. It's, it's all over, but I agree. He's a great communicator. He, he really, he really lays it out in a smooth fashion. Like, yeah, I think I, I really like the way Morgan Freeman speaks to me. Yeah. And he also knows when to like, drop the informational bit and like really speak from the heart. And he gives the speech about, you know, I know a lot of you don't believe in a God, but you know, here's what we have to be. And here's what we have to do in this very trying time. And so he does a lot of good things with a really shitty situation, but he also pulls some shady shit. And so beam, (laughs) this gets you all in a tizzy. Talk to us about Tom Beck being shady. Uh, so, yes, there is one bone I have to pick with with Beck, because otherwise I think he does a great job. I agree with you completely. The way that he speaks very directly to the American people and doesn't really sugarcoat anything is commendable. However, the reporter Jenny Lerner. Now, she's not great at her job. Like, I don't think she's a very good reporter by any means i listen i also don't think her reporting was terrible she was taking her where the story was telling her to go she had a source source was leaning her towards a way saying that the sec was the secretary no secretary of state was it secretary of the treasury secretary of the treasury uh was having an extramarital affair with ellie now i think that's a fair mistake to have made problem is she was wrong and ellie just stood for a extinction level event right i got that correct (laughs) And, um, yeah, she didn't know that. Weird thing is, though, the president thought she might know it and was going to reveal it. So what happened was the fucking FBI corners her on, uh, is on a highway, I believe, bumps her car, gets her to pull over, to go where they want her to go, take her out, and then put her in, I guess, the kitchen of the White House to tell her to sit on the story. And... I just have a few problems with that. It's highly unethical. Highly I unethical. <laughs> I get that. The, I get we have like a, a world-ending event on our hands, and you don't want to freak out the American public. 
But I don't think you can, number one, use the FBI as your own tool to get a reporter to pull her in and to silence her. And then also to have one of your aides then go, should we hold her? <laughs> like, you're just going to. Excuse gonna, me? Like, you're what, just going to. Like, extraordinary rendition? Really? Yeah. Like, like are you just going to. You're just going to kidnap a reporter so they sit on a story so you can deliver it? I mean, I'm glad they come to an understanding and let her ask the first question, which is. Which is a weird storyline for me with this reporter's career because she breaks this story and then, what, six months later or something like that, she's anchoring the news. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the outcome is what you want. You want to be able to control the narrative around this extinction-level event, but the means were highly, highly questionable and just not really a great look. Like, there's other ways you could have handled that situation, man. Yeah, I just it does concern me that when it is this is how he handles a stressful situation is let's use the FBI, which I mean, using the FBI that that I don't think you can. Is that legal? Can you direct the FBI to basically nearly kidnap someone? I don't think so. I don't think you can hire the FBI to be kidnappers. I think that's uh, a no go. Like it it does concern me when an aide is literally going, should we hold her? Yeah, like, he, he needs he to get a better com- advisor. If he feels comfortable enough to say that in this situation, I wonder what else has been going on that entire time. I, I mean, I would love to see what his approval ratings are like. Yeah, it definitely raises uh, some questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I, I think just we, we, we come to another situation here where the president <laughs> is withholding vital information from the people. This one, a little bit more important, I'd have to say. Yeah, if you your, go tell people that a comet's coming. Diagnosis. Yeah, but I think, like, I, that's one of those things that I think people should be, like, you know, you can be a little forthcoming about it. Like, listen, there is a whole massive comet coming towards the planet. People want to know about that. You know, you want to have your five, six months to do whatever. And I know it's going to cause some havoc. But, like, uh, I, I, I think this is, again, the people have a right to know. I don't think you should be holding this from people. I mean, look what happened during the pandemic. <laughs> it's just people tell people right away, you know, like, just rip the Band-Aid. And, First thing uh, to go is the toilet paper. Yeah, I, I, I don't appreciate that uh, he's holding this back and also trying to, you know, kidnap a reporter to try to get them out to talk, talk about it. It's, and, uh, yeah. it's not cool. It's not cool. And listen, I got all in a tizzy because you were out here defending him. I was just working you up because it's so fucking easy. All you have to do is just mention know. a reporter getting something harmed against them <laughs> and you get all in a fucking tizzy. It's so easy. <laughs> fucking reporter baggage everywhere Um, reporter baggage i i think i i think it's genuinely a concern when it comes to the first amendment and i understand that and i agree with you but i'm just saying it's really easy to work you up and that's fun always wind me up yeah it's really fun for me and it's so fucking easy all you have to do is mention freedom of the press and boom (laughs) fucking fuck the comment what about freedom of the press (laughs) what about freedom of the press There's like it's like heading towards Earth, and like you know what, you should fill out that freedom of information request. They should. Uh, I want Bartlett to. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's the thing. Is like that was that was my only point. Was like, you know, maybe the comet takes importance here, and he's like, no, freedom of the press. <laughs> that is the top priority at all times. And I was like, all right, fine, I guess. No, no, I'm sorry. I mean, that's like, you start doing you gotta that. Gotta have your principles even in dark times. You know? <laughs> You start doing that. That's that's when that's that's when fascism starts. Okay, man. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> uh, I I gotta say, I, I with, he he's t- there's like a speech towards the end 
that he does as well, which I found not inspiring. I think at one point he mentions that like how there's like millions dead and like I think like the East Coast is basically doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and uh, it, it kind of like glosses over that. But he's like, we're going to rebuild. And I'm like, there's, there's no East Coast left. You're just going to you're just going to rebuild all, New York City like that. Yeah, and I'm like, he's like, and then he like, as like an aside, he's like, oh yeah, Africa's gone too. And I'm like, oh my god, like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, the tidal waves have kind of rocked Africa and like the East Coast. I'm like, those are like large population center. And it's not millions; it's billions, my my friend. Well, I mean, like, what and, else like, are you gonna do? <laughs> like, do I? I mean, yeah, maybe express a little bit more remorse than he did, I guess, but also like. There's Fuck, nothing he could do about it's, it. It's a, it's a shitty hand he's dealt here. He's just like, I don't. I, I, he's, no. like, he's, he's like, we're going to rebuild skyscrapers. I'm like, Fuck the skyscrapers. Fuck guy. you are. Like, <laughs> like, what? There's no East Coast. Where are you going to build them? Like, that's, there's nothing left over there. No, there's an East Coast. It's just, it's a little bit more inland. Yeah. <laughs> We've shifted yeah. the East Coast to Missouri. <laughs> there's, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about this, and I, I gotta say, I'm a little selfish as one who lives on the East Coast. I'm like that—that's important to me. I want you to. Like, oh, just because you can look out at the ocean topic. from where you're staying right now in your fucking beachfront villa. I—that's true. I mean, I'm right <laughs> on the ocean right here. So this, I, I rewatched this before we did this, and I'm like, I'm looking at the ocean. I'm listening to him, and I'm like, no, you need to develop on this. Like, is there boats? Are you guys? Are there people just floating around in the ocean? You gotta do something. James about just it. wants to know what happens to him if this were well, to have happened. Yeah, and you know, like the the camera pans away, and like the Capitol building is being rebuilt. So I'm like, oh great, you know, they're rebuilding the fucking White House or the Capitol building. I, can't, I think it was the White House. But I'm like sitting here, I'm looking at the ocean. I'm like, oh my god, get some fucking swift boats out there. Let's get some, do some more rescues. It'll, I mean, like this. It'll just be like uh, you and Emily looking like uh, Jenny and her dad, just watching a gigantic wave and just like zit. <laughs> I just imagine myself on like a door, like hanging off the fucking side with <laughs> this door in the middle of the ocean, wondering when the president's going to come out here and start sending ships. I guess if the president is addressing us in a polo, like that's that's how he's choosing the dress for this particular uh, situation. You know, things are bad. <laughs> Let's not gloss over the fact that James sees himself as Leo DiCaprio in Titanic because he's on a fucking door. <laughs> Well, not exactly. I see myself actually surviving that situation. I think I would be okay. Yeah, I noticed I mean, that in like, the narrative. Like that you didn't die in any of this. You somehow survived and are wondering exactly how things will be rebuilt. I I do. And I, I, I really think, like, I, I appreciate that he's talking about rebuilding, but I think it's like, you know, like President Bush saying, you know, you're doing a good job, Brownie. Like, we're still in the crisis here. Like, you're not, this isn't over yet. Could like, you give us a clue? <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, I, I get you. We, we have to do more about this. I don't know. He just seemed a little too calm. Like, that's maybe, maybe that's like, he's, I'm like, a, a comet obliterated like half the population of the earth. And he's like, we're going to build, build some skyscrapers. It's going to be okay, guys. I'm like, no, no, no. You need to, be, I, this tone is not appropriate. <laughs> that's what I want more. I wanted him, I wanted a little more from him. And uh, I think that's Morgan always calm he's always confident but like uh, in this situation i needed more and i didn't get it oh, yeah, yeah. i mean so do we want to mention the piss poor effort by uh the astronauts to destroy that comet it's certainly not the effort that the oil drillers gave in armageddon but 
that's enough on Deep Impact. We don't need to discuss any more Tom Beck. All right. Uh, so let's go to our final election. So we have two presidents that we can bring to this finals, and then we each have to give our vote for who should be the fictional movie president from 1996 to 2000. So do we need to really talk about what we're narrowing it down to? I think we know. I think so. I think it's pretty obvious. I think Wait, the James, two candidates. What two do you think? Yeah. What two do you think, James? Oh, I got to say, um, it's. If you fucking say president. Well, it's, it's Harrison Ford and Bill Pullman. I mean, like. Whoa. Those are my two. I'm actually surprised. I'm not Good. surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we're switching it up here then. Is that who we're going with? Is no, that that's not who we're going with. <laughs> that's not yeah. who I'm going with. All right. That's wait, wait, where are you guys going with? Well, all right. I agree with you on Whitmore. Whitmore, Whitmore is with, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you on Whitmore. I, I so what? I mean, I think I think uh, Corey and I are both thinking Bartlett here. I think Bartlett. So James, really? why why Marshall over over Bartlett? Okay, well, Marshall over Bartlett. Okay, Marshall is a man of action. Let me <laughs> let me let me just talk about this guy here. First of all, this guy comes. I mean, like, <clears throat> there is a. Uh, I don't think he had a gun. I think he had Russian a fight to get those guns. Russian separatists have invaded air. Fo- we'll say that again. I think. I think he had to fight to get those guns. I don't think he came strapped. Yeah, he didn't come strapped, but he he became strapped. He got strapped. He got strapped during this. He like, I remember there's like a scene, and it's like a little stool. He just at one point yeah. he gets. Body slam. He gets like he gets like body slammed by one of these Russian separatists. I think it's Ivan. Knocks Ivan knocked him around a bit. Yeah, and then he, he takes like a little stool and he whacks him in the head, and then he has like a semi-automatic gun. And I just I, I like that. Maybe I'm just partial to Harrison Ford. I don't know. I but uh, see my thing with him I, is that I didn't think he actually looked like a president. I think he looked like an aide to the president. I, I thought he had a presidential look to him. I could see him being elected. I mean, uh, I, I think he had like a kind of like a seriousness to him. But I think that when push came to shove, you know, he seems like he um, takes situations into his own hand. He he was selfless. I like that idea that he is selfless. You know, he was little, like, I don't, don't rescue me. I, whatever. He's the I fucking mean, like, president. We're Glenn Close's vice. It's fine. It's, it's going to be okay. You know, if he's, he's doing well. And, uh, Can I just say, though, that I don't Certainly think, better than Hoynes. I don't... Yeah, better than Hoynes. I would agree with that. I, I But they made her, like... I feel like when I see Glenn Close, like, she comes in, like, being real serious about things. And in this, they kind of made her overly emotional. They were a little over-emotional. It was a little... Like, they little, all were. It was a little much. Yeah, everyone was way was too, a, it, way too empathetic. Not, <laughs> not actually enough about <laughs> the country. I think he's a quick thinker. I think that you know, there's that scene where he's like, like cutting his hand, uh, like the rope off his hands, and he's got the little piece of glass. It's a very classic movie move. He, but took, like, he took a while. with you know, like, it did take a little while, but you know what? He's in a tough situation, and I, 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 I like that Sweaty he seems hands. to always be thinking ahead. He plans. He has. He seems to have. He's an intelligent president, but he's also a man of action. I think he's got it all. I, so that's why I like Marshall. I can't argue with any of those points. No. I think for me, we have a man of action. We have Whitmore, and so for me, I just need a different vibe in this final conversation. And I think Bartlett 
you know, I, I don't think it's any secret to any of our listeners that we are more on the liberal side of things. And so Bartlett's policies really speak to me. And yeah, because he cares about people. He cares about people. <laughs> and there's a genuine. So does so does Marshall. But yeah, and, but there's a genuineness. Selfless. A, yeah. There's a genuineness to Bartlett that I really respect and appreciate. And especially in the current situation that we are in with the office of the presidency, he provides a balm in a fictional way to what we actually have to deal with. And so I, I just really appreciate Bartlett. So, <clears throat> so I mean, let's make this a three-way race then. Fuck it. Marshall. Well, no, it is. Whitmore. Bartlett. Ooh, well, is- so the, I mean, the thing about Marshall though, is like, all right. So we're talking about man of action, which of course Marshall is. But compare him versus Whitmore. <clears throat> Whitmore goes in the action because everything's fucked. Doesn't matter if he lives or dies, like something needs to happen. Whereas like in Air Force One, Marshall's just like he could have escaped and like we would have gotten the president out and the rest of the world would would have survived and gone on and everything would have been great. But you know, he kind of went into overdrive and maybe was a little too much of a man of action, I think, for my taste. So I'm just thinking context here matters. End nope. of the world is already there. No man left behind. He's got that military in him. He can't leave anyone behind. You're also the fucking president. <laughs> Fuck it. The presidency does not come above my morals. I do not leave anyone behind. Are you now James Marshall? I am team James I Marshall. Like, I kind of Wait, did you just go team that. James Marshall over Bartlett? No, not, oh. not over Bartlett. <laughs> uh, so let's cast our votes here. James, what do you got? Okay, so three three way, right? Three way race. Whit, Whitmore. Okay. Uh, oof. This is tough. I'm gonna have to go with. I'm gonna have to go with Whitmore. I, I think that's a good choice. Beam, where are you at with this? Who's your vote? I've thought about this quite a bit, and I don't want to just be. Go with your gut. Um, <clears throat> I just didn't want to do it because obviously I just love the way it's written, but I, I gotta go with Bartlett. I just, and the reason why is because, and so what we're going to do later is obviously a further discussion. I, I think you put him in any of the other movies, he's going to handle the, as capable, if not more capable than the rest of them. Yeah. I've thought about it quite a bit too. And I've really struggled over whether to go Bartlett or Whitmore here. And ultimately I think I'm going to go Whitmore. I. I want I want the action president. If you if you think about <laughs> if you think about our current times. I guess I just shouldn't be thinking realistically. <laughs> I think that's my flaw here. If you think about our current times, I want Whitmore. He would be out on the front lines protesting the Black Lives Matter mo- movement. He would oh, be we don't there. He's a man of action. It? Like going against the Sorry. Black Lives Matter. He, he's a part of the movement. He is protesting police. He is out Does not there. think Black Lives Matter. <laughs> he is out there do, fighting the good fight. And he's on the front lines. He's developing the vaccine himself. This is a man <laughs> of fucking he's action. He's a white lab coat. <laughs> he, he may not be qualified. He may not no. be qualified, but he's fucking doing it. And that's the he's kind of president. That's the kind of president that I want. I want yeah. a man of action. And so, Beam, you alluded to this, and this is kind of the final section of our of our pod here. I don't understand how this works out with the others, but well, actually, no, never mind. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so you alluded to this. 
we are going to, in this last part of our discussion, put President Whitmore, you know, the whole idea was, all right, so now Whitmore is our president. He plays the president in every movie from 96 to 2000. So let's think about these other movies and how or if they are better because President Whitmore is in it. So the first one I'll just well, you're bring just up. not gonna you're just not gonna like imagine. So we've elected Whitmore. We've elected Whitmore. I know we gotta at least say that. Yeah. I mean, I know it's obvious because there's two to one, but like you know, come on, man. All right. So Whitmore is. The can we president. can we at least give the guy like the respect and be like, hey, we've nominated you. Can we get some presidential music right now? Dun 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 dun. dun, dun something like that. Hold on, hold on. All right, no, never mind. James did it perfectly. <laughs> announcing president president thomas j whitmore um yes so he is our president let's put him in these movies so first of all let's put him in mars attacks for a second and think about we already know how he'd handle it think about how this movie changes he tries the welcome mat it doesn't work out fine but then he is battling these aliens himself well he's the, not getting a flag put through his torso no i don't think we're gonna have Nowhere that and near it, his torso no flag <laughs> near that torso near <laughs> well no i yeah so that 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 certainly may be the case but i think the other thing is when he does these these welcome events he's not gonna in, endanger like thousands and thousands of lives <laughs> he's just gonna do like he did in independence day and send a plane full of like what four or five i mean they both held out on the nuking thing for a while although oddly enough i agreed with the general in mars attacks about nuking him because i feel like uh those martians kind of showed their hand immediately whereas the ones in independence day i I wouldn't know what the fuck to think so what i'm saying though is i think he would have done a better job in not endangering more lives and i don't know all of congress yeah, he would have done a much better job. I think, James, you nailed it on the head. No flags anywhere near his torso. That's important. No way. I think no. we put him he, in. He would say, he, I mean, he says it in his speech. He's like, I'm not getting annihilated. I'm not, I'm, we're going to fight for a right to exist. Party. That's Wait, oh. He's fighting to exist. Yeah. And, you know, we put him in deep impact. He's not only speaking calmly and very upfront with the American people. He's on the fucking astronaut mission going to blow up that fucking he's replacing Robert Duvall in this he's he's blowing up that comet and there's no way he's not succeeding so like the world is saved you put him in Armageddon which has a nothing role hey hey, we didn't talk about this that's fine we can put him in Armageddon and breaking rules the president shows up (laughs) and he gives a speech imagine Bill Pullman giving that speech Bill Pullman Mm. has shown that he can give a rousing epic speech. I mean, so how do you think, do you think he had the hand-to-hand combat abilities of James Marshall in Air Force One? How do you think that would have gone? They're both, they're both former military. So I think that, well, you'd be different parts of the military and different skills. Well, for sure. But I think that he has the hand-to-hand combat. I think he has the full package. That's assuming we said no assumptions. I, I think that, <laughs> I think he's well, I think he could put a team together a team together that consists of of Will Smith, of course, and others as well. <laughs> and, Jeff Gold- uh, and Jeff Goldblum out there and hacking Goldblum. shit. And like, yeah. And so like he is willing to work. Uh, first of all, he's w- willing to work with 
with Jeff Goldblum, which is difficult. We can all admit that's a difficult guy to work with, especially when he's well, spe- especially after David punched him in the head, apparently. Yeah. And so like, but he's still willing to work with him. Exactly. Thing, even yeah. though they have personal differences. I think that I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, he has a team. I, I think he's going to put a team together, even if he can't do hand to hand combat with these guys. I think that he is going to put a team together. That's going to, uh, save Earth. Do you think he would he would make the same policy decision of wherever the war on terror essentially? Uh, sadly, yes, I do. I do, <laughs> I, I, do, I, do I do think so. Yeah, I mean, like I, I don't support it, but yeah, I think okay, I do definitely support. Here's I think the big question: put him in the West Wing. It's not the same. <laughs> that's that's the one where he's not doing as good of a job, and that is a fair point. This is where I think where I think all right, so. Could we, just as a thought exercise, put Jed Bartlett in all of these movies? Clearly, it's not going to go well from Air Force One, but I do think a similar thing for what James said. He's going to devise a pretty decent team around him, right? For sure. Um, probably wouldn't do yeah. the war on terror thing. I know he like kind of talks about it sometimes or like flirts with the idea, but you know we're looking at behind the scenes policy discussions. So you know you're gonna get you're gonna get the messy bits. Put him in Deep Impact. I think he would have done a great job in terms of trying to calm us down or just, you know, be straight with us. I don't necessarily agree. Hmm. And this is kind of cheating, but kind of not. Oh, boy. If you look at the way he handles Zoe Bartlett's kidnapping, I don't know that he's the president in dire situations such as Air Force One or such as a comet coming at Earth. Seems like he breaks a little bit. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, like crumbles under pressure. I think he crumbles under pressure a little bit. I don't think, but like you're talking, I mean, yeah, right. He won't be the man of action in air force one, obviously with his family. Yeah, actually, no, I think that would be the part that would hurt him in air force one to be perfectly honest. Deep impact though. That's not, you're comparing completely. That's that's apples and oranges there. I, I'm just looking at a stressful situation and he didn't handle it particularly well. Context matters. Context of course matters. I mean, it's not his daughter being kidnapped. Mars attacks, Mars attacks. I think flags are coming all sorts of near his torso and Josh Lyman's torso. <laughs> that, guy's, that guy basically doesn't have a torso left. It's I think CJ Craig actually like wins the day here. I feel like she'll kick everyone's ass. Oh, absolutely, CJ. CJ, <laughs> how funny is her fucking uh, what? What's it called? The Secret Service code name when they call her ostrich. Ostrich. <laughs> Really great stuff from Aaron Sarkin there. You know um, what? Actually, you know, I, I I think I think that putting because you know going further. I mean, Independence Day. I think he would give the speech. I think he could give a Pullman, a uh, Thomas Whitmore level speech. He wouldn't get in the plane. I don't think he knows how to fly the plane. But yeah, he's he's an economics professor. He's not getting anywhere near. Any <laughs> he's going to get a Nobel Prize, but he's not gonna. You <laughs> no, know, no, that that guy's get getting your whiteboard afterward. That's about it. <laughs> um. And I also would say, I don't think either of them would sick the FBI on a reporter. No, I think we're safe from a lot of the <laughs> shady shit of Tom Beck. <laughs> yeah, I think you'd say we think Whitmore is going to be a better protector of the First Amendment under Tom Tom, <laughs> is what we're saying. Yeah. Well, we didn't really right, see his saying. interactions at all with the press, actually, to be honest. So, But I, I would, I would think I, I see him as a decent enough human being where he wouldn't be doing that sort of stuff. So, you know what? I, I, I've come around. I think Thomas J. I, I just give him Thomas J. Like, <laughs> fucking middle initial. Thomas Whitmore. I'll, I'm going to give Thomas Whitmore a... Uh, 
I, I think I would go with him as well after going wow, through wow, all man. the different movies. I think I've been convinced. Wow, wow, we flipped him. We flipped him. <laughs> we, 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 it's like the Georgia Senate over here. <laughs> it's like, it's like we, we moved the needle. Okay, uh, yeah, no, I think, Whit- I, I think Whitmore, to some extent, he benefits from us not knowing a lot about him. It, it, to, to some extent. That's very like, true. We know pretty much the more we any, know about you. any personal flaw of Bart yeah. that we know. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we know, we just know the least about him, so we can kind of like, put whatever we can kind of like apply whatever we want to him but that's that's them's the breaks you know <laughs> it's just like you're that's at, how it works you're absolutely right like we didn't we see, know we didn't watch the second movie he's, he in, he's in it but he's not actually the president in the second one and the second one's terrible don't watch independence day uh resurgence not a good movie but if you look at thomas whitmore you know james what you're saying is absolutely right like what we know about him 95 percent of it is very positive so mm-hmm. you know we're able to just kind of fill in the gaps with what we know and what we can imagine and i think thomas j whitmore being a man of action is a very important thing and something that i want in my president yeah, I mean, we don't know. We don't know his position on healthcare, economy, budget, agriculture. We don't. We don't Gun know control, anything. Control any of these things. Yeah. But you know, when the time came, he he gave that speech. He hopped in that plane, and he did what was necessary, and he saved Earth. I mean, he saved Earth. <laughs> like he saved. Earth. Well, I mean, you got to give a Earth. little credit credit to uh, to David and. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, Hiller. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, listen, yeah. he punched that alien right in the head he punched him right in the head and he said welcome to earth that's that's what thomas whitmore has going for him is he is able to bring the best out of people he's able to bring the best out of david levinson he's able to bring the best out of hiller will smith's character he's able to bring the best out of russell case a drunk he brings the best out of everybody because he's such a great leader and a man of action and everyone is just inspired by him. So regardless of his policy choices and decisions, which we know very little about, I think ultimately he's going to put people in the right sorts of places to make the good decisions. I think that is what we know about Thomas J. Whitmore. Yeah. I mean, he seems when the going gets tough, he delegates and he delegates very well. (laughs) Like, And he's ready to do it. And I appreciate that. All right. So let's wrap this up here. We will elect Thomas J. Whitmore. He is our president, 1996 to 2000. All of you out there now get to reimagine every movie that has a presidential character and with Thomas West J. Wing. Whitmore. And the West Wing. And the West Wing. <laughs> um, this is going to be the first of many. We are going to go through every presidential election, 2000, 1992, or every one that we've been alive for. Um, eventually, we're going to do on this pod. And James, thank you so much. Yeah, this dude. was great. <laughs> Really appreciate it. It's been uh, very intellectual. I think I'm going to be, uh, I have a lot to think about after this podcast, and I really appreciate that. I'm just going to get really drunk because while we're recording this, we're, we're, we're getting ready to see the Bills versus the Ravens in the divisional round. Oh, man. Buffalo Bills Day. And that is a great thing. All right, James, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I think maybe we'll just have to keep him going for the president's one if, if, <laughs> if you're down. Yeah, yeah. You know, whenever you guys are ready, just uh, give me a holler and I'll uh, I'll uh, start doing my studying. Yeah, we'll put out the bat signal to you. A little earlier this time. <laughs> All 
All right. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. No, today is <laughs> January 16th, bro. <laughs> today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Thomas it's J. Our new independence day. All right. See you later.